Today we continue our, our series called My Grown-Up Christmas List. And we said last week it doesn't really matter how old you are. We all have a list for Christmas. Gifts that we want. Things that we, we want our, our parents, our spouses, our friends, our family to maybe buy for us at Christmas. It's the one time of year where I actually get to say to Anne and my parents, here's a list of things that I want and not feel bad about it. <laughs> and the thing is they go out and buy it. <laughs> it's great. And it doesn't matter how old you are. We all have these lists. We all have lists of things that we want. But also, like we said last week, there are some things that are on our Christmas list that just don't make the list. And it's not because our lists are so long that we can't fit them on there. It's because there's some things that we want that nobody can go out to a store, take it off a shelf, purchase it, put it in a box, wrap it, and place it under the tree. Last week, we looked at that being a second chance. Nobody can go to Target, take a second chance off a shelf, put it in a box, wrap it, and place it under a tree, but we would love a second chance at things. And the same is true with today's topic, a real freedom. We love our freedoms, and rightfully so. From very early on, we know what it's like to want independence. When we're kids, what it causes the most tantrums, bedtime. Mom and dad come and say, it's time for bed, and they don't want to go to bed. They want to determine when they go to bed. They want the freedom to choose when they're tired and get into bed. As you grow up and you get into the preteen and teen years, you want to hang out with who you want to hang out with, when you want to hang out with them, and for how long you want to hang out with them. You want to decide. And the older you get, the more independence, the more freedom from mom and dad you want. And then you become a grown-up. And then where does your independence where, where do you, you want independence and the fight come from? The government. The HOA that I live in. I want freedom. Let me do what I want to do when I want it. And I'm going to fight and complain. And I'm going to go at it until I get the freedom that I want. I want to choose what I do when I do it. We all want freedom. But what happens when the freedoms that we have aren't enough? We can be free and yet still be taken captive. What do we do when, yes, we have freedoms and rights and we become independent of mom and dad, of the government, when we become independent from, from the, the bodies and the people above us, but we're still captive to guilt. How do we become independent then? How do we become independent from the bitterness and the grudges that take captive our hearts? How do we become free from the despair that imprisons us? How do we become free from the fear that grips our hearts? How do we become independent? Wouldn't it be great if someone could go and purchase freedom from those things 
wrap it, place it in a box, and put it under the tree. If I said you could have freedom from fear for the rest of your life, all you have to do is do this or get this, I think it would immediately take the first spot on our Christmas list. And the good news for you and me is that Isaiah talks about such a person in Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah was a prophet uh, around 700 B.C. We looked at him last week. Uh, And the first half of Isaiah's prophecy dealt with current events, what's going on in the world. The second half of his prophecy looked at what's coming in the future. What we said last week was the Assyrians were were getting ready to come and threaten uh, Jerusalem. And he saw that. He saw how a hundred years later, the Babylonians would actually come over, burn down the walls of the city, burn down the temple, and take the people captive and bring them over to Babylon. The people would be mourning. They'd be brokenhearted. They would be despairing. And they would be looking for freedom. And Isaiah talks about that person in Isaiah chapter 61. Here's what he says. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide, and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Notice what Isaiah says. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. He has anointed me to, uh, to, he has anointed me to do what? To proclaim good news to the poor to bind up the brokenhearted, and to proclaim freedom for the captives. To proclaim freedom for the captives. Who are we talking about here? Who's speaking? In order to understand the freedom that that Isaiah is talking about, we have to pin down who is talking. And it seems like an obvious answer, doesn't it? Well, Isaiah's talking. Obviously, it's Isaiah's prophecy. And that's true, partially. Isaiah did have a message of hope. He had a message of uh, there's going to be a freedom coming. But it's only partially found in Isaiah. Okay, well then what about King Cyrus of the Persians who would come after the Babylonians? And Isaiah actually talks about Cyrus in his letter, which is amazing because it wasn't coming for another 150 years. But King, uh, King Cyrus of Persia would come in, defeat the Babylonians, and release the Jewish people to go back to Jerusalem. He would literally free the captives. Is that who we're t- who's talking? Partially. But these words have its ultimate fulfillment in Jesus. How do we know? Luke chapter 4. Jesus is 30 years old. He just begins his ministry, and he, he's going around, and he comes back to his hometown. And he goes to the synagogue on the Sabbath, on the day when they go to church. And Jesus is the guest preacher that day. It's his first sermon in his hometown that he grew up in. And they hand him the scroll of Isaiah, and he scrolls open to Isaiah chapter 61, 1 to 3, which we just read. 
He reads it out loud, rolls up the scroll, hands it to the attendant, and says the shortest sermon ever recorded. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, what does Jesus say? These words are about me. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captive. This is Jesus speaking, which is incredible because it's 700 years before he's born. How does that happen? It's because Jesus hasn't been, has been in existence for eternity. He didn't just come into existence at Christmas. He's been around. He's God. He was there before God said, let there be. And Jesus speaks 700 years before he's born through Isaiah saying, I've come to proclaim freedom for the captives. And yet the freedom Jesus is talking about isn't freedom from the Babylonians, isn't freedom from the Romans, isn't freedom uh, from your HOA or from uh, the American government. Jesus isn't talking about freedom of rights, of choosing what to do, what to wear, where to go. Jesus is bringing a spiritual freedom. So your first point today is that freedom isn't found in the rights I have, but in the Savior I've been given. Don't get me wrong, I love the freedoms we have in America. In fact, uh, besides Christmas and Easter, Fourth of July is my favorite holiday. I have a, I have a Fourth of July playlist, uh, which is all about America and, the, and freedom, and I play it from the first moment I wake up on Fourth of July to the moment I go to bed. It is on repeat uh, as we listen to fu- or watch fireworks. Uh, I love the freedoms we have. I love America and the rights that we have. And yet, as we said at the beginning, just because we have freedoms and rights doesn't mean we're free. And so in this season of your life, what's taken your heart captive? Is it guilt? As you look back on your life and the decisions that you've made recently, are you disappointed in yourself? You feel guilty for the things you've done or the things you haven't done, the choices that you've made? And though you try not to think about it and you try to run from those feelings, uh, it's almost like you're chained to the wall of guilt and, and, and you run and that chain extends until you can only get so far and then it drags you back. Is it fear? Fear over finances in your life? Fear over the future? Fear over death? Whether it's yours or loved ones. And you try not to think about it. You try not to to let it creep in. But fear has a way of just coming in and grabbing a hold and not letting go. Is it bitterness or a grudge? Someone did something to you. Someone disappointed you. Someone let you down. And, and you don't want to be bitter. You don't want to hold a grudge. And yet, it traps you. And you can't break free. Is it the insecurities that you face? You want to be confident. You want to uh, act like you have it together, and yet you continue to fail. And people point it out, and it's a sore spot And you try to be confident, but you can't break free of those insecurities. Is it just despair? You want to have hope, you want to be joyful, but your circumstances uh, are crumbling around you, and there's no hope. 
You can't see a light at the end of the tunnel. Every day is the same, and you can't escape it. You see, we can, have, we can be free, and we can still be taken captive. And it doesn't matter all the rights we have. It doesn't matter. We could go out in the middle of the country and not have any government regulations on us, and we can still be taken captive in our hearts. We want freedom. The good news is, this isn't a 21st century thing. These things and these feelings and this captivity has been around ever since Adam and Eve ate from that fruit of the tree and disobeyed God. You see, why is it that you mourn? Why is it that you, 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 get, captive, uh, you take, get taken captive by guilt and fear and shame and your insecurities? It's because all of us have been taken captive by sin. Sin has imprisoned us. Whether our sin or just sin in the world, sin has taken us captive and it won't let us go. And there we are chained up as fear comes and attacks as guilt comes and torments you, as insecurities pop up and make you feel bad, as bitterness and grudges come creeping around, and there's no escape. This isn't new to you and me. This is all people since Adam and Eve. And that's why these, these words from Jesus, these words are so powerful, so comforting, so filled with grace. Here Jesus comes on the scene and he says, I've got good news. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me to proclaim freedom to you and to me. To proclaim freedom as he comes and he breaks us out of our prisons. When I was in high school, uh, we had to read a book called The Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens. I see some of you shaking your head, so some of you have read that book. Uh, there there are, are two main characters in the book, Sidney Cartone and Charles Darnay. Both Sidney and Charles uh, are throughout the entire book. They're not related at all, and yet we're here throughout the book again and again that these two men look alike. And the book takes place during the French Revolution uh, when uh, the, the French people try to overthrow the government and, and do, and they overthrow the government because the, the government, uh, they're the rich people at the expense of the poor, and the poor had enough. Throughout the book, Charles, who is part of that rich, elite, upper-class people, he gets fed up with the government and their treatment of the poor, and so he joins the revolution, and he gets arrested. And he goes on trial, and he gets condemned to die. And the night before he dies, he's in his jail cell, waiting, and he's going to go bravely to the guillotine and die for his crimes. It's in the middle of the night when Sidney Cartone breaks into the prison, and he says, I'm here to bring you freedom. And what did that freedom look like? It wasn't both of them escaping. It was Charles leaving. And Sidney, who looked like Charles, 
stayed in the prison. And in the morning, he went to the guillotine and died for crimes that he didn't commit. Why would he do that? Only because of love. You see, you and I, we get to walk out of our prisons. We get to walk out of the prison of fear, of guilt, of insecurity, of fear, of, of shame. We get to walk out of the, the prison of despair. Why? Because our Savior was born into this world, broke open the door to our prisons and says, I'm here to proclaim freedom to you. And we look at the baby Jesus born on Christmas and say, great, are you coming with us? And he says, no, I'm going to stay because justice needs to prevail. And if one of us doesn't go to die, justice is going to follow you. And so we leave the prison of, uh, prison of sin as our Savior comes and he stays and he goes to the cross for you and me. You see, this Christmas season, as we get ready to celebrate the birth of Jesus, we don't celebrate just another baby. We celebrate our Savior, who was born to be the captive, so that you and I can have freedom. And that's your last point. Jesus was born to become the captive, that I may walk free. And so hear these words again, and think about that fact, that Jesus had to become the captive. Jesus says, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captive. And that freedom came at a price, and it was our Savior Jesus. Because of Him, we're free from guilt because our sins have been forgiven. Because of him, we're free from fear because our Savior has conquered the grave and now he's on his throne. No matter what happens in the future, we have a Savior who is ruling all things, who's conquered the grave so that you and I will rise one day from the dead. We have a Savior who bestows on us the crown of beauty so that all of our insecurities are taken away. And we live in confidence knowing that God sees us as beautiful. Because of Jesus, he bandages up our broken hearts when we mourn. And he gives us the oil of joy, the oil of gladness. Because he's the God of all comfort. Jesus was born to proclaim freedom. And that freedom comes because sins are forgiven. We may struggle with guilt. We may struggle with mourning, with despair. We may struggle with all kinds of results of sin for the rest of our lives. But because of our Savior, we will walk free through the streets of heaven for eternity. And so no matter what you're going through, no matter what's taking your heart captive, know that your Savior has set you free from it and you will experience true freedom, real freedom, if not in this life, forever in heaven. And it's all because the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord was on Jesus who came to this world, born for you once again this Christmas. And so as we go, as we live our lives, we do so with, those la with that last phrase from Isaiah chapter 63. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord, 
for the display of His splendor. We get to go out into the world from here to display the splendor of our God, the splendor of freedom that He's won for you and me. We get to live guilt-free. We get to live fear-free because of Jesus. And as we live in that freedom, we will display the splendor of our God as we live for Him now and forever. May God be with you. May He give you that freedom once again and the peace that comes with knowing that you are free from sin, free from guilt, free from shame. We have hope and joy once again. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we praise and thank you that you are our Savior, uh, the one who's come to take our place, the one who's come to take on our sin, to take away our shame, our fear, our guilt, and you did that all by going to the cross. You became the captive that we may walk free. What a tremendous gift you've given us once again this Christmas as we get to focus on you, as you uh, come onto the scene at Christmas. Uh, You've been around forever, but there you took on human flesh and you brought heaven down to earth as you took on flesh to become one like us. We thank you for taking our place, taking on our sin, that we may live free now and forever. Free us from the guilt we may face, from the fear that may captivate our hearts. Uh, Free us from the insecurities, the bitterness, the grudges. Free us from everything that takes hold of our hearts uh, because all of that is, is rooted in sin and you've taken away our sin and you've given us eternal life. We thank you for this gift. We ask you to help us to treasure it always. As we open our gifts this year, help us to remember you, the true gift that brings real freedom. We ask all this in your name. Amen.